Today on this special episode, we'll be doing a preview of the 94th Annual Academy Awards. This is Dr. Versus Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is a doctor of laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Now, typically, every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy to entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. However, today we have a special episode where we will be previewing the upcoming Oscars telecast. That's right. So if you tune in for medicine news and stories and anecdotes and evidence, today you might be disappointed. But if you like to tune in to find out what Asif Doja has been doing with his spare time, of which he has quite a lot, this is the best episode for you. So, Ali, I thought we would talk about the Oscars coming up this March 27th. It's the 94th Annual Academy Awards. They look at... Sure, if you want. (laughs) I do. They look at films (laughs) that were released in 2021, mainly. We did this last year. In fact, it's a bit strange because the Oscars were late last year. Uh, They were in April. So we were able to put out an episode right when they were coming out. And now they're moved back to kind of a more regular time. Usually it's February or March. And so it's, it's March this year. We haven't, this is our second annual episode, but we actually, the podcast has not been out for over a year. It's crazy. It's like we've gone some sort of time travel. I mean, it's just a month's different. I'm not sure I would be tripping out over 30 days, but if that is significant to you, Asif, then I don't want to disrespect it, even though I just did. Okay. There are a couple news items, which uh, you and I were chatting about offline about the Oscars, which I thought maybe we should talk about first before we get into the kind of the nominees and the predictions. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, a controversy that's brewing, and I shouldn't say a little bit. It's really gained some some steam. Basically, the, the Academy, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, AMPAS, putting the ass in AMPAS, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences decided that this year they would not broadcast eight awards. Those would be pre-taped an hour before the start of the telecast to allow more time for comedy, film clips, musical numbers. But those eight awards, so there's animated short film, documentary short subject, film editing, live action short film, makeup and hairstyling, original score, production design and sound. I mean... I can't speak to the animated world very well. I can't speak to the short film documentary show, but I do know, you know, when it comes to film editing, makeup, hairstyling, original score, production design, I understand why there's a controversy. And and when I say controversy, what I mean is that 70 different prominent film professionals, filmmakers, James Cameron, Jane Campion, Denny Villeneuve, these people have all signed kind of a petition you know, they issued a letter urging the Academy to reverse these these plans. What I know about film, I completely get it. It's It's one of those, you know, people jokingly say the thing, you had one job. I feel like that's never more pertinent than on a movie set or on a TV set. Like people have one job and it is critical that it happens. So for example, if you have a props master and the scene calls for somebody to be wearing let's say a ski mask, a robber's mask is because there's a robbery and the props person forgot the mask. 
everything is on hold. You have 70 people on set, potentially everybody's job is on hold because somebody for, if the makeup person forgets some prosthetic, oh, it was in my bag and I don't know where it is. Hey, yesterday we shot this with the person having prosthetic around their eyes. That prosthetic needs to be here. So then everything is on hold. So while to the layperson, these jobs may seem, you know, not super significant, they, each person's job is so critical. And I know from makeup and hairstyling, I've never arrived somewhere and somebody says, yeah, makeup and hairstyling are running late. They're not here yet. They're always there first thing, always. If they're not ready for you, they're certainly there and setting up everything to get ready for the day. And most of the crew stays till the end, especially makeup, because if you're shooting, you know, and you're sweating or your makeup smudge, there has to be somebody from makeup there to the director can't step in and just do your makeup and, and reapply makeup and do touch-ups. It's the person who's qualified to do the job has to be there the entire time that the job is happening. And of course, film editing, critical, critical role. Original scoring is so huge. I've been, we have a friend, Q, who's been doing some scoring on a, on a film that I co-wrote. It's called Stealing Vows, and he's been doing a variety of that musical production, and I've been witnessing firsthand how much work goes into it. So I think it's pretty disappointing, and you don't have to just take Ali Hassan's words for it. You know, Steven Spielberg weighed in on that, too. He, he his, his statement said, I feel very strongly that this perhaps the most collaborative medium in the world. And Steven Spielberg is saying that. All of us make movies together. We become a family where one craft is just as indispensable as the next. And I think that's exactly what I'm suggesting, that everybody's role is so critical. And these people who we give the most respect to, actors, directors, so on, sometimes people, you know, the cinematography, they rely heavily on this indispensable crew around them. So to have them sort of shut out by the Academy Awards is is pretty disappointing, and, and hopefully that's reversed. Well, and then there was another kind of mini controversy embroiled in this is that the sound people, all right, this the sound kind of division of the Academy, they agreed a couple of years ago to combine sound editing and sound design, I think, and hopefully I'm getting those categories correct, into one that's called best sound. Even though those two things are extremely different in terms of uh, how you go about, you know, one is essentially, if I'm wrong about this, but this is my understanding, I apologize to everyone in sound. One is more like capturing the live sounds and the real environment and things like that. And one is artificially creating sounds for a thing. So, for example, in Dune, where you're talking about sounds that are taking place on a completely different planet you know, with a different atmosphere, how do you kind of factor that in, right? This is something that's never been heard on Earth before. So how do you conceptualize that, right? And so, but they, the, the sound group basically agreed, we'll combine these into one award, which is crazy because they're two different things. And that way we can stay on the main telecast. And basically the Academy agreed to that. And then now they're going back on that. Well, I think what's the craziest part is that sound the sound people, as you call them, who know this world better than any of us would agree to that because they are the ones who should first say like, no, these are two different worlds and two different skills and two different uh, completely gr groups of people, different people with different skills who work on these things. And so it suggests to me that they agreed to it because of what you're saying so that they could stay in the pod. You know, I mean, it was like, a, there's the metaphorical gun to their head. And they're like, this is what we need to do so that we can stay in. Otherwise, I, I can't imagine they would do that. 
And, and there are some people, I think yeah. Jessica Chastain, who we'll talk about a bit later, I think she said she's not going to go to the red carpet because what's going to happen is those awards will be given out during the red carpet and then the stars mm-hmm. all arrive and sit down and then they start the main show. And I think Jessica Chastain said, no, I'm not going to do this, especially if you see her. We'll talk about her in her role as Tammy Faye Baker. Her makeup is, you know, it's not 50% of the role, but it's a huge amount. And I think she just said, forget it. I'm not... I'll just go to support my uh, colleagues. Yeah. I mean, makeup and hairstyling, you know, you spend so many hours potentially in that chair. You, you know, a lot of female actors, especially hair is is a big thing. I am bald. Sorry to ruin it for you, everybody, if you hadn't seen my face. But I, I have no hair, so sometimes people look at me and just go, yeah, you're fine. You're the best. This is great. I save them time. I still have to get, you know, sort of anti-shine and this kind of stuff. But that makeup chair is like, it's where many actors sort of go over their lines. It's where they decompress afterwards. It's where they get prepared. It's where they like forget about their, you know, it's that transition period from home life, then into the makeup chair and then onto the acting. So it's like this really comfortable space, I think, for many actors. I'm sure many actors will agree. And makeup and hair know that role that they play. And so they are always happy. They know they cannot be bringing an actor down with their own troubles and this kind of stuff. So I completely understand what Jessica Chastain is doing. This is people that, you know, all actors who've spent hundreds and hundreds, thousands in some cases of hours in those chairs would be like, no, this is disrespectful for, to, to, to people who do such great work. So I, I get where she's coming from. I respect that. Well, maybe we'll just talk about one more controversy. It's a mini controversy and certainly not as important <laughs> as the other one, which is really shortchanging people's you know hard work and effort. You know what we got to do? We got to talk about Bruno. We got to sing. We don't talk about Bruno as if we don't talk about Bruno. So, on this show, we do not talk. Well, about we well we don't. We haven't though. It's a great song. So this is from the movie Encanto, and the song is written by Lin Manuel Miranda. And I think he's going for an egot. You know, egots. I think he's he has a chance to get an egot. Yeah. He probably. You can tell people what an egot is. is when you win an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. And so I believe he's won yes. all of those except for an Oscar. So he might uh, he mm-hmm. might win this. John Legend. John Legend EGOT, is an egot. I, think, I don't know if you say he is an egot or an egot winner as an egot. Yeah. He has an egot. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg has an egot. So or has I don't know how you say it, but anyway, I think he's going for that. But the problem is in Encanto. There's many songs. It's a musical made by Disney, but. This song is the earworm that everybody has in their head since basically the past three or four months, and it wasn't nominated. So the question is, why was this song not nominated? And there must be rabid Encanto fans who are like, why? Why? And the reason why is because we don't talk about Bruno, not even at the Oscars. No, that's not why. The reason is because, drum roll please, Drum roll, uh, followed by a wah, wah sound. It was never submitted. Mm-hmm. Why was it never submitted? Because Lin Manuel Miranda didn't go by catchy song. He was like, this is kind of like a side track. You know, it's not integral to the story. This this song and the story around the song. And he said, when you submit a song for consideration, 
you think about, you know, he says, I always think the song you submit is not whether you win or not, right? That's And, and of course, this probably would have won, but it's the song that exemplifies the movie. And, and, and he says, that's what the guiding principle has always been. And so, Dos Oroguitas, I think that's how it's pronounced, is the foundational story, which is uh, two caterpillars in Spanish. Oroguitas, Oroguitas. Anyway, two Caterpelitos is the song that was submitted and maybe it'll win. I will say this, and I think this is an important point, that while, for people who are licking their wounds on this uh, Bruno track, Jermaine Franco, American film composer, she is the first woman to score a Disney animated feature film with Encanto, okay? Now that's great, except also Disney, what have you been doing? That's very strange to me. That's her. It's the first woman to do a feature film score. And for that, she was nominated for a Golden Globe, an SCL Award, an Annie Award, and an Academy Award. She's nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Score. So she is getting her dues, even if, or her due, I should say, even if um, this particular song is. And one of the craziest things about this is I'm not sure Lin-Manuel Miranda is going to win. The heavy favorite, if you read the trades... The entertainment trade magazines is Billie Eilish for doing the theme for No Time to Die. Uh, it's a good song. I mean, Billie Eilish is great. It's a great song. So we'll see what happens at the Oscars. And speaking of which, why don't we get into the nominations? Okay, so let's go through all the Oscar nominated movies. Not all. We're not going to go through all. We're, we've decided to narrow it down to eight categories, although, Asif, you were contemplating a ninth there is a category we don't have that is close to your well heart. i just want to talk about cinematography for a second i mean you could but then when we talk about cin- cinematography we have to talk about power of the dog and we talk about power of the dog you are less than enthused so it's a whole thing asif it's a whole thing I just wanted to give a shout out for cinematography this this year. There's a lot of amazing looking movies. One of them is Power of the Dog, as you said. The other two that I think, out of the ones that are nominated, that I really want to call attention to is West Side Story, which looks amazing. It's Yanis Kaminsky, who's the longtime cinematographer for Steven Spielberg. He's so amazing. But I think the best cinematography is Dune. And, and I hope it wins. And we'll talk about my thoughts about Dune in a little bit. But there's some really interesting YouTube videos about the cinematography in Dune. And remember, it's a science fiction movie. We talked about that. It takes place on a different planet, or several different planets. And the guy, uh, the cinematographer, uses kind of the realistic light and shadow. It's very different than all these CGI science fiction movies that have been done in the past. And if you read about it, you realize how cutting edge the cinematography was. So just want to give a bit of a shout out to that. That's my pick in that category. But it wasn't one of the eight that we were going to be talking about today. We are going to start off with Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Original Screenplay, Best Supporting Actors and Actresses, Best Actresses and Actors, Best Director, and we'll end with the hot stuff, Best Picture of the Year. And before we get into all of that, though, I do want to say this. This will come as no surprise to anybody who knows me. I have watched pretty much none of these movies, and Asif has watched all of them. I just... I don't understand. Maybe you write in with your thoughts here, because here's the thing. Asif is a alleged medical health professional. He's a doctor. He is a family man, and his children are no schlubs. Like, they are busy. They have activities all the time. So, I don't know. I don't know. Where, where do you get the time? Am I the worst time manager in the world, 
or is Asif a neglectful father or doctor? I don't know. Something's got, it doesn't make any sense. Where do you find the time? Or do you sleep two hours a day? It doesn't make any sense to me that you could find the time to watch all these. Like two months ago, you hadn't watched any of them. No, that's true. That's true. So I, I put aside time usually in February and January, February, but I was a bit behind this year. And then I realized the Oscars were earlier. Like I said, I thought they'd just stay in April. So I was a bit stressed. I saw seven movies in the past seven days. So I really, and the, so and I, I, the last one I watched was last night. So the night before we're taping this, I finished West Side Story. So I, it's been a bit of a uh, bit of a rush. I don't know. I feel like it's always something I try and do is see as many any of these as possible. Uh, I mean, some of the smaller movies I haven't seen, but, and some of them are hard to get, as some of you know, who are interested in, in yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that. The only reason you haven't seen the smaller movies is because you couldn't find them anywhere. Otherwise, I think you still would have made time. Yeah, they're very hard to get. You drive my car, I had to, like, I found it on Apple was it iTunes? And then I just rented it for 24 hours okay. or so. Anyway, yeah, I was able to do it. Yeah. Did I neglect something in my uh, personal and professional life? No comment. Okay, good. Let's start with the best adapted screenplay. Now, I do want to make this distinction. There's best adapted and there's best original. Some of you may not fully appreciate why those two different you know, categories exist. Best original screenplay, you know, in my opinion, th these do deserve very much two separate categories. An original screenplay is something that's not based on any previous work. And as you'll know, if you've been paying attention to the world around us, so much stuff is usually, you know, from a book. And now best adapted screenplay is that kind of thing. It usually comes from some kind of previous, uh, previously established material. Mostly it's books or novels, but it can also be, and this is why I'm mentioning this, can also be stage plays, musical short stories, a TV series, even another film. Even sequels are considered best adapted screenplay. So we have five in this category. Coda, okay, which is based on a original motion picture screenplay called La Famille Bellier. All right. So it's based on a movie that already existed. Drive My Car, Japanese film that's based on a short story. So this is why I brought it up, that you can also have movies. And for me, that's the most interesting, because when you take a novel and you shrink it down to a movie, inevitably people are going to be like, I can't believe they left that part out, left a, a short story builds. I think that's very exciting. And the irony is, those of you who've seen my, Drive My Car, which is uh, hard to see. In fact, so what happens is I actually have a video store by my house that rents DVDs, which is kind of unusual because we live in 2022. So it's like walking distance to my house. So I went there to rent West Side Story the other day. Crazy. And I was talking to the guy and he's like, you've seen everything, even drive my car. And I felt a bit bad because drive my car is actually, it's not out on DVD. So he hasn't seen it because his business is DVD. So I had to sheepishly say that I actually rented it online. Which I is, cheated course, on you, Edward. And is yeah, destroying his business. So I, I felt a bit bad about that. Interesting about drive my car. It is a three hour movie. <laughs> the opening credits, Ali, start at 40 minutes into the movie. I'm not joking. Oh, my God. And so it's just funny. It's based on a, a short, short story. story. Yeah, that's hilarious. The other three are much more easy uh, to access. Dune, based on the novel by Frank Herbert. Lost Daughter, based on the novel by uh, Elena Ferrante. The Power of the Dog, based on the novel by Thomas Savage. So, Coda, Drive by Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, The Power of the Dog. Your thoughts on these? So a couple of things, uh, uh, just a couple of notes about the screenplay awards and how they're 
kind of traditionally given out. They're often given out to almost as a consolation prize to certain movies. For example, if a movie the Academy really liked, but they're probably not going to win one of the top categories, they'll give it one of these awards. That's often what happens. The other thing they really like is if they happen to be written by famous people or co-written by famous people who aren't writers. So Matt Damon and Ben Affleck is probably the most classic example of this. Goodwill right? Hunting. Uh, when they, the Goodwill Hunting, yeah. right. So in other words, they want to give them something. So based on all this, and I actually think it's quite deserved, it, I would say The Lost Daughter by Maggie Gyllenhaal will win this category. It's based on this novel by Alina Ferrante, as you said. Alina Ferrante is actually a pseudonym, and no one actually knows who this author is. Oh. She prefers to be anonymous. She says, my who I am, you know that through my writing. That's that's it. Well, then I don't feel bad for pronouncing it Elena Ferrante because the Elena or Alina, neither of them really exist. So they're they're, the they're fake. They're fake. So, in fact, Maggie Gyllenhaal approached her for one of her novels, and you know, through her publicist or, or manager and things like that, uh, Alina Ferrante said, "No, not that one. But uh, you could probably do this one, which is what the Lost Daughter is based on." And she said, "On one condition," and she told Maggie Gyllenhaal, "I need you to direct the movie." Even though Maggie Gyllenhaal has not directed a movie before, she said, I want a woman's perspective in it. And so Maggie Gyllenhaal wrote it and directed it. So she did a great job. It's a great movie. So I think we should. This movie is essentially, it asks a question, what happens with if a mother does not love her children? That is, which is such a loaded question to ask. And the fact that Maggie Gyllenhaal can do this in such an effective way in a movie is amazing. So definitely my choice is Maggie Gyllenhaal. Wow. Okay. That's a great sales pitch. I'll watch that for sure. Now, next is best original screenplay, huh? Created out of thin air, presumably, or uh, conversations in coffee shops. I don't know. They don't say. Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and the worst person in the world. Your thoughts on these five for uh, for screenplay? Yeah. So this one, you might think maybe Belfast, because it's Kenneth Branagh, and I just mentioned, you know, he's typically more he he does, he does write. He's written a lot of and a lot of adaptations, a lot of the Shakespeare stuff he's done. He's written. So you think it might be Belfast, because this is a very personal story, kind of a, a, about him growing up in Belfast during the Troubles. But I'm gonna give it to Licorice Pizza. Paul Thomas Anderson is just amazing. And this this movie, I'll talk about it a bit later, but takes place in the 1970s, kind of summertime. It's just, it's so interesting. And you cannot predict what happens from the opening frame of the movie to the end of the movie. It's just so original. And that's what this is called, original screenplay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Licorice Pizza. PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson still nailing the hits, right? You know who he's married to, by the way? I don't think I do, no. Maggie Gyllenhaal. What? Sorry. No. Go. No. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal is married to Peter Sarsgaard. Oh, um, I love Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, and he's 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 in tons of the movies we're going to talk about today. He's in the Batman, first of all, but he's also in the Lost Daughter, and we've talked about him in previous episodes before. But no, he's married to he being P.T. Anderson is married to Maya Rudolph. Oh, no kidding! I did know that. Yeah. I knew both those things, actually, because they've come up when I look up the IMDb after a movie. Always after, never before. That's my policy. All right. So those are the two uh, categories of adapted screenplay and, and original screenplay. Let's get into supporting actresses and supporting actors. So best supporting actress, you have Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter. You have Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, which you watched last night. You have Dame Judi Dench 
in Belfast playing Granny. Kristen Dunst in The Power of the Dog. We've spoken about her at length on this show. And Anjanue Ellis in King Richard. Five phenomenal actors, uh, you know, a, a huge age range, a variety of films. What do you think for Best Supporting? Yeah, it's this is a very tough category. I think the easiest one to eliminate is Judy Dench, even though she's like a screen legend. I mean, I she's barely in Belfast. Okay. And it's such a small role. I was very surprised she was nominated. There are many other actors in that movie who probably deserve nominations as opposed to Judy Dench. So I kind of, especially the person who plays the mother in it. But uh, so I would eliminate her. Then it's really, really tough uh, for this. They're all so good. Anjanae Ellis, I loved her in uh, Lovecraft Country. She's excellent. And this movie is so good, kind of playing off Will Smith's uh, King Richard character. Without her in the movie, it'd be a very simplistic movie. And she complicates the movie in the best way possible because she calls basically the King Richard character out on his BS. And so it's such a great performance. Kirsten Dunst, uh, Power of the Dog, she's great in this, playing this kind of like woman who kind of succumbs to alcoholism and depression. But then there's Ariana DeBose. So she plays Anita in West Side Story. So this is the same character that that Rita Moreno won for in the original mm, West Side Story. She's so good. I would guarantee you that they're going to try and have Rita Moreno give out this award. I know they're not supposed to know who wins it, but Ariana DeBose is the front runner right now. She's won most of the other awards. So this is who probably will win. And I think they're going to try and set something up. So it's the person who won in the original movie, giving it to the person who plays the same character in, in the okay. uh, remake. I'm not surprised that she's nominated. Anita is the best character in West Side Story yeah. by far. And Ariane DeBose is a great actress. But listen, I'm going to give it to Jesse Buckley. And so I'm really uh, speaking highly of The Lost Daughter because, again, I kind of gave you a bit of a hint about what this movie is about without saying too much. But Jesse Buckley plays the younger version of Olivia Coleman's character, who is dealing, so Jesse Buckley's dealing with these young children and her career and things like that. That's probably the most I'll say, but if you factor that into what I said before about Maggie Gyllenhaal's screenplay, I thought a lot about this because I only saw West Side Story last night, so I've been thinking all night, like, well, who am I going to pick for this? But I think Ariane DeBose will probably win, but I think the best performance is Jesse Buckley. Very interesting. Good sales pitch on all these movies, too. I, you know, the thing about West Side Story is I, I think about not only do you have to nail the acting, your choreography and your movement, dance, all, there's so much going on. It's an incredible juggling act. So anyway, all of these are to be seen. I'll see them. Too late for this podcast, but I will see them. All right. Best Supporting Actor, Kieran Hines, plays Pop in Belfast, uh, Troy Kotzer plays Frank Rossi in Coda. Jesse Plemons, Power of the Dog, George Burbank. J.K. Simmons is in Being the Ricardos as William Frawley. And Cody Smith-McPhee, who we talked about on a previous episode, is Peter on The Power of the Dog. What are your thoughts about this? Again, you're going to have uh, a similar sort of thoughts as, as as last time. I think there's some people you can rule out immediately. Uh, I think Karen Hines is in Belfast to infrequently too too brief yeah. yeah he's i mean he's a great actor jk simmons again one of the best actors on the planet i would say oh, yeah. but being the ricardo's just not getting the same publicity i think as some of these other movies so it comes down to either someone from coda or someone from the uh, power of the dog i love jesse plemons and cody smith mcphee in the power of the dog personally 
my pick out of those two is probably Cody Smith McPhee. I, I think he's unrecognizable in this role. He's just does such a good job playing Kirsten Dunst's son in the movie. But I'm going to go with Troy Kotzer. He's getting a lot of publicity for this and a lot of uh, recognition for it. He's won lots of the major awards. He is a deaf actor and he plays the father in Coda so well. And if you, it's really interesting to read deaf writers talking about this because we just assume sign language is sign language right but that's such an ignorant statement for me to make because english isn't english right there's sydney poitier uh, james earl jones morgan freeman's talking about you know the way they they're so eloquent and then there's me talking in english you know what i mean like there's a complete difference between some of these people who are uh, amazing orators and my talking so yeah it's gross when i talk so that's what they say that's how good troy is in communicating in sign language language. So I really, I'll, I'm going to give it to him. Very interesting. And we'll talk about Coda a little bit more as we get into the uh, final categories. But yeah, there's much to be explored there. All right. So we're in the best actor and best actress categories. So best actress, you mentioned her earlier off the top, Jessica Chastain plays Tammy Faye Baker in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Olivia Coleman is in uh, The Lost Daughter. You just mentioned her. She's the older, she's who Jesse Buckley's character becomes. Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Janice Martinez Moreno, Nicole Kidman plays Lucille Ball in Being the Ricardos, and uh, Kristen Stewart is Spencer in uh, Diana, Princess of Wales. This is a tough category. So again, what often happens, especially in the female categories, and I'm not sure that this is justified or not, but I'm just telling you historically what happens is they often want to give the award to an ingenue someone who's coming up and coming you know ingenue ellis uh, like like <laughs> that's right uh, other kind of ingenue or someone who has been around a long time and it's kind of like they finally deserve it it's kind of like even if the performance isn't the best they've been around enough that they kind of uh, should be getting some uh, an award at this time those are the two kind of things they do that latter one about deserving it is often for the best actor categories as well so these are the two things. And of course, we all know the Oscars love it when you play somebody real, right? So I think we can probably eliminate Penelope Cruz. Then we have to look at some of these other people. So Olivia Coleman is excellent. I mean, she's one of the best actresses, again, alive. But she just won a few years ago. And that's another thing that the Academy doesn't want to do. If you've already won, especially recently, they often don't want to give you another award. Same thing with Nicole Kidman. She's won in the past. So I think you would want to uh, remove those uh, two people. So I don't think it's very likely, even though Nicole Kidman is playing a real person. So then we have Jessica Chastain or Kristen Stewart. Again, they're both playing real people. As you said, Tammy Faye Baker for Jessica Chastain, Diana, the Princess of Wales for Kristen Stewart. So a lot of you might think that uh, Kristen Stewart, she, you know, there's there's not as much hype for Spencer, unfortunately, as a movie. And I think she could be like the ingenue type person that they might want to, but I have a feeling it's going to go to Jessica Chastain. She's won a lot of these awards already. If you've seen clips of her playing a Tammy Faye Baker, she's unrecognizable. It's amazing. Again, the makeup is very, very well done in this. In this movie, as an example, you could see why she wants to thank those people. But she, Jessica Chastain, is great. She's been nominated before. She probably deserves it for this role. So I'm going to say Jessica Chastain. Okay, best actor in this category: Denzel Washington, Lord Macbeth in the Tragedy of Macbeth, Will Smith as King Richard, Richard Williams playing King Richard. Andrew Garfield, 
Interesting, playing Jonathan Larson in Tick, Tick, Boom, Benedict Cumberbatch, your fave in The Power of the Dog, Phil Burbank, and then Javier Bardem playing Desi Arnaz in Being the Ricardos. What is your choice here? Yes. So I think, I mean, this is kind of a category that I think is pretty much wrapped up. They're all good performances to a certain extent, except for Benedict Cumberbatch. And uh, we'll talk a bit about that in uh, maybe an upcoming episode a bit more in a bit more detail. I love Andrew Garfield and Tick, Tick, Boom. I think he's great. Uh, it really reminds you that he's he's a great actor. But this is going to go to Will Smith. I think Will Smith has been waiting years to find the right role that can really uh, showcase his acting skills and it's been a long time probably he was really good as Muhammad Ali you know in the movie Ali but I think this is it I'll talk a bit more about this movie so this is basically talking about King Richard is basically the father of Venus and Serena Williams and how he kind of coaches them he's a very interesting person and I can see why people want to make a movie about him when you first start the movie, you think this is going to be basically like a, a fluff piece. You know, this guy, you know, pushed his kids and supported them and uh, went against all the other coaching ideas in tennis to get them to be the stars they are. But this guy is way more complicated than that. I think it's still, in the end, a positive movie portraying his life. So it's not like a, a hit piece or anything like that. But he's a very complicated person. He makes a lot of mistakes and has made a lot of mistakes in his life. He's extremely stubborn and, and an extremely difficult person. I uh, think that's quite clear. And the thing is, Will Smith just, he goes into this role. I for, You forget it's Will Smith throughout the whole movie. You know, he's slumped over, hunched over, kind of like the real Richard is throughout the whole movie. It's it's really a great performance. So I, I do think he has all the kind of hype behind it. And he, the people think he's deserved. You know, Will Smith's over 50 and has been acting, you know, for, for, for many decades. But he also does a great performance. So I'm going to say Will Smith. That's interesting. Every time I go into Amazon... You know, it recommends being the Ricardos. It's like right there in my face, but I got other stuff. You know, I have to watch the story of Grant Feuer, my favorite goaltender. There's a lot of stuff to do, so I haven't watched it yet. No. I like Javier Bardem quite a bit, but mm-hmm. I love Nicole Kidman. After, gosh, what was it? Um, HBO special, Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. Which yeah. is pretty recent. 2017, it took me a while to come around, but after Big Little Lies, I was like, I'll watch anything Nicole Kidman does. How much does this woman have to do to prove to me that she's a phenomenal actress? So I like that duo. I like Cumberbatch a fair amount. I like what he did. I don't have the the, the things you... Andrew Garfield, I cannot wait to see this movie. I don't know why I've waited this long. I want to watch it with my wife. She's not, you know, sort of available or awake or whatever the case. Denzel Washington, obviously, his, his career speaks for itself. I heard an interview. It was about a 40-minute interview. I think it was on Fresh Air on NPR with Will Smith. This guy, I really feel like... Yeah, we talk about Will Smith a fair amount, but I feel like he gets overlooked for who he is and what he's done. You know, the Mark Wahlbergs of the world and these these hyper-productive people and their names come up. We should be talking about Will Smith. Not only is he insanely productive, insanely motivated, insanely inspirational as a human being. Think about this guy's journey in life, where he came from as a rapper, as this actor. I mean, you knew he had the acting chops from day one, right? How, yeah, he came from West Philadelphia, born and raised. How come he don't want me, Uncle Phil? How come he yeah, don't want exactly. me, Uncle Phil? I know. He's one of the greatest scenes in, in sitcom history, in my I opinion. Know. I know, I know. 
And also very early on in his, his career, when he left the sort of sitcom world to prove that he wasn't just sort of like this clownish, goofy guy, Six Degrees of Separation, who is in that? Donald Sutherland and who, another killer, plays his, uh, his wife? Stalker Channing. Stalker Channing. And this couple welcomes Will Smith into their home. He plays this sort of presumed friend of their sons from college. And what a phenomenal job he did in that movie. And he's just kept on doing phenomenal work. Sure, there's a couple of blips like everybody has in their career. But that interview that I heard about Will Smith, his motivation for playing Richard, what he did to prepare for the role, how deep he went. I mean, this is not, this is a person who should be regarded as Oscar material. I'm so happy he's nominated. I really hope he wins. There's a one clip that I've heard where you'll refresh my memory. So somebody comes to the door and there's something about, I think it's the cops who come to the door because Richard has been pushing his daughters to play like basically in the dark pretty much. And there's some complaint from neighbors about sort of negligent parenting or something like this. That's all I heard. And I was like, this movie is phenomenal. That's all yeah, I heard. That's going to be in the, what do you call it? The, in the little clip. In the trailers, yeah. Before he wins the Oscar. Yeah, I would hope so. It's like he said, it's good. And the movie as a whole doesn't skimp on his kind of dark, dark side. Yeah. Okay, two categories left. Best director and best picture is where we're going to end up. So best director, Kenneth Branagh. In Belfast, Ryusuke Hamaguchi in, uh, for Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. I mean, your cup runneth over here. Yeah, with, uh, this is a very tough category, you know, because they're all really, really well-directed movies. I think Kenneth Branagh, Belfast looks amazing. Again, another cinematography. Masterpiece. Triumph. Yeah. yeah. Drive My Car is such a singular experience. And there are two scenes in this movie that are unbelievable. I'm not going to ruin them for you, but one takes place in a car just at night. And you're just looking at basically at one character, almost the whole scene for, it's probably a 10 minute scene and he's recounting a story. And there's another scene at the site of a house that collapsed collapsed many years ago uh, with two characters. And there are just, I mean, those are two of the best scenes of the year. Again, I, I think Jane Campion does a very good job directing Power of the Dog, uh, despite some of my reservations with the uh, movie. So to me, though, it's between Paul Thomas Anderson and Steven Spielberg. And uh, tough. It's tough. I'm actually going to say Steven Spielberg. And I think he might actually... So my prediction, who I think is the best director, and he might win. Steven Spielberg has directed the best movie musical. So it's not my favorite musical I've ever seen. But in terms of the direction of it, the way he uses it... Because think about Steven Spielberg. He's an entertainment director. He's directed Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T. He's directed all these big budget things, Saving Private Ryan. He takes all that kind of kinetic energy that he's, we're used to from those movies, the way he blocks scenes and things like that, and then applies it to a 
to a to a movie that's specifically a musical. No one's ever directed a musical like this before. And it takes me back to Chicago. Remember when Chicago won the Oscar many years ago? That was basically looked to me like you took a stage play and filmed it. There was nothing interesting about the camera angles. There was nothing interesting about it. I thought it was the most boring movie I'd seen that year. And so unoriginal in the terms of the directing. This is completely different. So I think he's done the best job ever in directing a musical. And I... I hope people recognize him for that. So just because of that, there's maybe some recency bias because I just watched it last night. So I'm going to say West Side Story, uh, Steven Spielberg. Okay. Finally, we end at Best Picture. Uh, in this category, there are 10 nominees, unlike the five and all the other categories. So Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Now, Belfast, we've gone into some detail about. It's a comedy drama, semi-autobiographical uh, film, right? And Kenneth Branagh, by the way, people should know this. He was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. We've, we've gone through all of these. This makes him the first person to be nominated in seven different Academy Awards categories. Yeah, surpassing Walt Disney, Alfonso Cuaron, and uh, George Clooney, who all had six. As you said, it's a very good movie. I think Kenneth Branagh deserves a lot of this attention. It's his first, it's his most personal movie, so it makes sense. The problem with this movie is it kind of breaks down in the last act quite a bit, and there's things that happen that make zero sense. And you could tell probably a lot of the beginning part of the movie is real things that happen, and then he had to kind of ramp up the dramatic tension at the end. And so is it worth seeing? A hundred percent. It looks great. The acting's great. But is it the best picture of the year? Probably not. Okay, interesting. Next one is CODA, which stands for, by the way, we, we haven't gone into it, Children of Deaf Adults. Also, this is courtesy of a number of movies, including Sound of Metal. We've been learning more about this world and the idea of capital D deaf, you know, deaf culture. And deaf culture is not just somebody who knows sign language. It also involves everything that they surround themselves with, community and art and perspective. So it's very interesting to get more exposure to this world. Also, Marley Matlin, ageless. Ageless. Oh, yeah. I can't, oh, yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's the exact same as she did 20 years ago. If nothing else, an incredibly interesting and I think important movie. I think, you know, and I've talked about this before, my sister is hearing impaired and I think it's a world that people didn't know a ton about and, and more of these movies that come out. And I think it's, right. it's eye-opening for a lot of people. So let's just get this straight right here. I like this movie. And so when I bring up things like, like in Belfast, I said, it's a very good movie. I suggest you see it. Right. But there are some limitations to it in terms of being the best picture of the year. And this is the same thing with Coda. I don't the world has kind of moved to either have to love something or hate something. And that's probably because of Twitter and social media where you have to, you know, you have a certain amount of characters to get your point across. I don't know if the world's done that. I think Asif Doja feels like he has to love or hate something. But you've already expressed your love for Troy Kotzer. Uh, who played Frank right. Rossi and Coda. I mean, you Listen, don't have to be on the defensive There's at all. four main characters in this movie. Three of them are deaf, and they are amazing actors. The person who plays the hearing child uh, of the family is Amelia Jones. Uh, Amelia Jones, I actually know her from before because she's in Lock and Key, which is a show I watch on Netflix. So I, I, I recognized her from that. She's actually Welsh. 
plays an American. She has a pretty good American accent. So she had to learn sign language. She's not a child of deaf adults. So she had to learn this. And interesting, I, went, I grew up with somebody who was a ch uh, child of deaf adults. So when I worked with a camp, her, both of her parents were, were deaf. So um, I kind of talk, you know, it's a very interesting way to kind of grow up. And then this is really putting you into this family. So I think this movie is very good. And the, the issue with it being the best picture, and again, I suggest everybody see this movie, the, just for the representation of seeing deaf people, and as you said, the capital D deaf community on screen, you have to see this. You mentioned before, this is a remake of a French movie. And in the French movie, they used hearing actors to play the deaf people. And there's a lot of backlash against this. So what happened in this movie is they cast Marley Matlin. Obviously, she's one of, if not the most famous deaf actor in the world. Yep. And she said, I'm not doing this unless you cast the rest of the family with deaf actors. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not doing the movie. So she insisted on it, and that's that's how the movie ended up getting made. I can imagine why they didn't choose a real child of deaf adults for the main character, like played by Amelia Jones, because that person also has to be an amazing singer. The singing is part of it. And, and there's some very, very interesting responses to this film from the deaf community. I think... A, they're happy that there's representation, mainly, but there are some limitations to it. And, and part of it is like, we talked about this on our episode last year about The Sound of Metal, which is like, you know, hearing people saying, oh, I would die if I couldn't listen to music. You know, just calm down with your uh, statements. <laughs> anyway, all this to say, this movie is very good, but it is a very simplistic screenplay and a very simplistic narrative okay. and i was a bit surprised i'm like wow I, this is nominated for best picture it's almost like the disney movie of the week movies that my daughter watches where there's a conflict with their parents and then they things get resolved in okay. fact it's not even the best movie i've seen this week with like i saw sure. coda this week so to be watched to be watched, but it's not even the best, best movie picture. i've seen this week yeah. about someone not following their parents wishes with their life that's Turning Red, which is the new Pixar animated movie. Right. But anyway, that's okay. another topic. Next up is Don't Look Up. Ali wants me to move along. I do want you to move along because it feels like you're, uh, you're being defensive about something you don't need to be defensive about at all. Don't Look Up, not controversial, but contentious, very contentious right. film. There yep. was I've never seen such a divide, so much so I had to wait till that all blew over for me to watch it. I'm like, I don't want to watch it now. People are like, oh, it's so stupid because blah, blah, blah. Other people are like, oh, you missed the whole point. That is the point. That's why they did it. I mean, some of my favorite actors of all time are in this film. And I was like, I'm going to wait because I, it's just too much chitter chatter, jibber jabber about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I actually love this movie. I thought it was great. I understand some of the criticisms. Adam McKay is the type of guy who... It's like he's read a whole bunch of like New Yorker articles and, and long form uh, nonfiction articles. And he's like, I'm going to tell you all about it because you're ignorant. And you don't know about it. Like, I understand that. And I felt that with lots of his other movies as well, like The Big Short and things like that. But I still find it entertaining. And this is supposed to be talking about climate change, about how people aren't responsive to climate change. That's the analogy. But in fact, I think it's very clear to me it was speaking about COVID. That's what I thought. And the delayed response to COVID and not making intelligent decisions. So when I looked at it like that, this movie actually resonated with me a lot. So it was actually one of my favorites on the list. I don't think it's going to be, win Best Picture. And as you said, it's too contentious to do that. Mm -hmm. But I liked it. Okay. Drive My Car, you've spoken at some length uh, about this film. Taken from a short story, turned into a three-hour movie, 
in which the credits only roll at minute 40, but a great movie with some incredibly compelling, memorable scenes. Yeah, and amazing acting. I think don't be intimidated by the length. You just need to sit down and just let this movie like kind of suck you in. It's excellent. Again, I don't think it's the best movie of the year, but it's very, very well done. Okay. Dune, which also ridiculous that I haven't seen Dune yet. I love Timothy Chalamet. I love Denis Villeneuve. I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but there's just no time. But Dune, what are your thoughts on this being a nominated for Best Picture? I know you love the cinematography he, and the sound. You yeah. said it was hugely... Uh, yeah, I love the cinematography and the sound, both. Uh, and the special effects are amazing in this movie. But I think in the end, like uh, it's it's half a movie. Right, it's part one. Because it's part one. And I just, I'm not sure you can say half a movie is the best movie of the year. And again, my criticism of this movie is Denny Villeneuve is an amazing director, but he does not know how to direct action scenes. And then my friends who argue with me about this, they're like, well, it's not an action movie. I'm like, there are action scenes where people are fighting with guns or hand-to-hand combat. That's action. I'm sorry. And Denny Villeneuve is an amazing director, but he does he's not a very good action director. And I thought this movie was pretty boring. Okay. Send your hate mail directly to Asif Doja, please. King Richard. What are your thoughts? I mean, we talked about it. Yep. I love this movie. This is I, I'm, I'm, it's one of my ones I'm debating uh, in terms of being the, the best picture or not. Uh, Nightmare Alley. It's, uh, we haven't talked about it, this at all. No. It's not nominated in any of these other major categories. I don't know. Again, I mean, I love Guillermo del Toro. Bradley Cooper, one of my favorite actors. Tony Collette, one of my favorite actors. We yeah. talked about her. Uh, I, I do not know... Richard Jenkins, I love from so many different things. Uh, Six Feet Under, of course, The Father and Step Brothers, seminal role. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just there's so many. There's it's it's just chock full of the best actors and a phenomenal director. I don't know why I haven't seen it. What are your thoughts on this film? Yeah, I watch it. It's 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 a good movie. It's well made. I'm not. It's a remake, uh, and I think that's maybe one of the problems. Is the remake is very highly regarded. It's kind of this great moral tale of this guy who kind of becomes this. Uh, uh, he starts as a carny and then becomes a mentalist. Bradley Cooper is amazing. I mean, I really I feel this guy doesn't get the credit he deserves. He is so good. That's from me, buddy. I think about him every night. Oh, there we go. But that's not really giving him credit. That's just. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why I, I, I this movie it, it's good i must admit after it was over i probably haven't thought about it since so maybe that's why but it's it's, it's definitely worth seeing next up the power of the dog yeah i think we should probably devote a whole episode to this let me be brief about this because we're already kind of going long on this the power of the dog is a very good movie. I'd give it like a B. The performances from three of the main characters are amazing. I'm not that enthused about Benedict Cumberbatch. And I think the ending of this movie doesn't make sense. So in many ways, it's three quarters of a good movie, but I don't think it's the best movie of the year. Okay. And from last night, West Side Story still uh, kept you up all night, still verberating through your yeah. brain. West is it's very interesting. So I think you have to just take a step back and think about when the original musical of West Side Story came out and the movie which came out a few years after that. This was a cutting-edge theater and a cutting-edge movie. They're talking about gangs. There was active gang warfare. There was just the rise of gang warfare in New York City. It was in the news all the time. They talk about marijuana. They talk about there's a tomboyish 
character who in the remake is transgender. And and you can see that's probably what they were getting at back in the late 50s, but they couldn't say that. It was such a progressive movie and and the songs, it was unbelievable in terms of what, what that was and what a cultural milestone it was. But the problem is they're remaking this movie now and a lot of the plot points just don't make any sense, especially the main love story between the two. Like if you're looking at it with 2022 eyes, it just doesn't make sense. And I'm not going to ruin it for you, but you know, it's based on Romeo and Juliet. So you can probably remember what happens in this uh, <laughs> or figure out people. if you haven't seen it. And so that's the problem. I, I So even though it's, one of the best directed movies of the year. I said Steven Spielberg should probably win. Yeah. It looks amazing. The performances are very good. The choreography is outstanding. But I just the real question is, did this movie have to be remade? I'm happy I saw Steven Spielberg direct a musical. I'm not sure he had to do this one. Okay, so that's nine of them. And the 10th one here on this list is Licorice Pizza. What are your thoughts here? Right. And so, yeah, so I think about all these movies that we mentioned, the ones I still think about a lot are Don't Look Up and King Richard. I think they're very, very, ones that stick in your your head a lot. But Licorice Pizza, I think about the most. I think it's so original. Like I said, I love a movie where you're watching it and you have no idea what's going to happen next. Sure. Zero idea. It's great. A bunch of young new actors as well who've never seen on screen before, which is also very refreshing. Yeah. Bradley Cooper's also in this in an insane role. Sean Penn. Yeah. uh, So I'm saying Licorice Pizza. I don't think it's going to win. If I had to guess, I think it's going to be Power of the Dog. But you already know my thoughts about that. Yes. I'm I'm rooting for Licorice. Yeah. And by the way, Licorice Pizza has already won a number of awards. One of the best films, uh, voted one of the best films by the American Film Institute, four nominations at the Golden Globe Awards. Uh, including Best Motion Picture and also at the British Academy Film Awards, it won Best Original Screenplay. So it's in a good place. It's uh, well regarded. And I think a win for this movie wouldn't be, uh, you know, particularly contentious with it. It seems like it's, it's, it's well loved. So those are my picks. Uh, we'll try and put them on our social media. Don't try. There is no try. There is only do, Asif. Okay. To quote and another we'll see. Though. We'll see what I did. The reason I said try is because then if I get them all wrong. You'll delete you know. them quickly and pretend that it never happened. That's right. Exactly. So anyway, let us know what you guys think. We can see if I'm right. March 27, 2022, the 94th Annual Academy Awards. So that's the show for today. Uh, let us know what you think uh, about our Oscar picks. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how I do. Ali, anything to plug before we get out of here? For those of you who can watch Run the Burbs, if you haven't already, it is on CBC Gem. Sort of is another show on CBC Gem that I recommend. They're going to start season two uh, filming in the next couple of months. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a role in both these shows. And I think it's 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 to be watched we will be talking about sort of on an upcoming show. And besides that, I should really update my website. There will be uh, stuff to uh, to plug on the website. And you have your revamp podcast. This podcast is delicious. delicious. I often say taste delicious, but is delicious. It's about eating and drinking things that most people do. Everyone check that out. I, it's always funny how I have to tell Ali to plug his other podcast. Secretly, it's because I want him to plug this podcast on that other podcast, things he's on. and I will do that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And maybe on Run the Burbs, you could be like 
you know, listening to headphones and then they see your phone and you're listening to Dr. Bruce's comedian. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to email Andrew Fong and tell him to do that. Good luck. And he will block me forever. But please remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about, which of course we did not do today, but they're for your interest and information only. They're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you.